On episode 214, I'm interviewing Phil Ahad, EVP of Toluna, but first, a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Schlesinger Quantitative, your trusted provider of global online surveys that drive the best decisions for success in the marketplace. Schlesinger Quantitative has built an entire division of experts with extensive online research experience and an unparalleled understanding of quality drivers across panel, sample, and data. Hi, I'm Jamie Brazil, and you're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. My guest today is Phil Ahad, EVP, Head of Products and Strategy at Toluna. Founded in 2000, Toluna produces online surveys and manages a consumer community of over 24 million active members in 68 countries. Prior to joining Toluna, Phil has led marketing and product strategy teams across many different industries and has held senior level positions at CoStar, AOL, and Comscore. Thanks very much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast today. Yep. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing, what your parents did, and how that's informed your career. Yeah. Um, so my parents are um, immigrants. I'm a first generation um, American, I'd say here. Um, and it's funny because, like, you know, you always hear about these, you know, immigrant stories of them coming to the United States with like $18 in their pocket and then them being like these massive successes. And actually, my family was quite opposite. My, my dad and his brothers came with a ton of money and they just blew it on really bad investments or, <laughs> or restaurants or what you would call it. And then they kind of had to start all over. Um, so, you know, it's a, my family is very entrepreneurial in nature. Um, you know, they hustle, they grind, they're very educated. Um, and, you know, my upbringing was, you know, kind of like that. You know, I was working with my dad and my mom at, at their businesses, was going to school. Um, it's kind of led me to, to where I'm at today here at Toluna and, and leading um, products and strategy for the group. And I like it because although, you know, we're a pretty decent sized organization, you know, we're corporate culture, uh, we still have that entrepreneurial mindset in everything we do. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm here and I'm enjoying the work I'm doing. The starting over part is is really interesting to me, especially because I'm, you know, having exited Focus Vision and all of a sudden I'm kind of in a spot now where I'm st quite literally starting over. Right. But, um, you know, my parents had a similar situation where they had invested in, in a small farm and then all of a sudden the uh, value of the produce dropped by, uh, roughly speaking, three quarters. And after about three years of that, they had to they ultimately just couldn't make the payments. Uh, anymore. And so it was a complete reset from a financial perspective, which for me as a kid, you know, they, they help protect us, but you know, family owned businesses are, you know, the whole family feels it, right? You're, you're invested mm -hmm. in that business along with your family from a work perspective. What, what kind of um, core values or lessons learned did you get when they went through that restart process? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was super young, but my parents have always, um, you know, kind of looked, I call them gamblers, actually, you know, they're, they're, they're not risk averse, right? So they're always looking for opportunities to, to, to either gain advantage or, or, or gain something out of it. Um, and what I've always learned is, you know, you know, there's obviously risk involved in, in trying different things. But if you're, you know, if it's a, if it's calculated risk, and you've done the math, and you've done the work, and you work hard at it, it usually does become successful at some point. So while, you know, they had struggles early on, and while they failed in, in, in business to start, the, the value of it is that they learn from those mistakes, and then they've applied them into, into other opportunities, which has, as a result, turned into success. Um, and I think that's what I've kind of learned. I've never been afraid of kind of diving in. But 
I've always done the legwork up front to identify the opportunity and see if there's value in doing it and to see if it fits what I want to do within what I'm passionate about or within what, what my vision of, of, of success looks like and then making that calculated risk and, and, and doing that. You know, you guys were early to the app store, right, at Toluna and, and uh, in terms of driving mobile innovation. Did you, uh, can you think of some specific, a specific example of how you've applied that in the uh, product development side of things with, within your company? Yeah, I mean, for sure. And I mean, that's, that's one of the things I like about um, the group that I'm at and, and the people that I work with where, again, we're willing to take bets, especially within the industry and especially um, within R&D. Uh, but they're, they're calculated bets. Like, you know, we're constantly pulling in specialty experts into the group to, to give us insights, to give us recommendations on, on, on what works. We're in tune with our clients and potential clients in terms of their, their ongoing needs. And when we see a, a, maybe a change in behavior or a change in expertise within the market that requires more development, um, you know, we're willing to, to be kind of first in that space. And, you know, our, our digital tracking and behavioral insights technology is, is a great example of that, where we saw an opportunity to acquire a company that was a Nielsen incubated company called CrossSense. Uh, you know, three people who just had a really unique technology built at the time um, and see the value of integrating that technology, not just into our app, but into our entire end-to-end insights platform to, you know, kind of close that gap from just question and answer data to be able to provide behavioral tracked information. What is the biggest challenge that you've overcome, either personally or professionally? I am. It's a tough question. I mean, you know, I, I don't have one specific biggest challenge. I mean, I think right now in my professional career is, you know, being in a global role and, and managing people across across the world and within the specific team. It's kind of like getting in tune to everyone's like, you know, different personalities and working styles and then putting people in a situation that they can best succeed um, by doing that. You know, a person in, you know, Chicago is going to work and be a lot different than someone in, in our R&D office in Haifa, Israel. And how do we kind of mesh this group together so that we're all working in an effective way and it's actually all a positive environment for, for everyone involved from you know start to finish. Yeah, I mean, the company culture, right? That's what you're talking about. It's really like driving that innovation mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting because, you know, within Toluna and within our ITLEP group, you know, we've got, you know, people in finance, people in panel management, um, you know, scripting teams, programming things. And we've got, in our innovation group of engineering and strategy and product marketing and product development, these are all very different types of people. Um, and when you're trying to be an innovative company and when you're trying to drive innovation through an industry, you know, everyone has to kind of buy into this, not just the R&D or the product team, but your scripting team and your, your programming team and your panel management team, because that's the company culture we're trying to drive from start to finish. If we were just innovating on one side of the business and, Forgetting about our you know, 600 plus people in operations um, who are you know, working in the traditional sense and not leveraging this technology and, and, and this, these agile um, thoughts, then we, we wouldn't really be an innovative company. So it sounds like one of the things you're doing is you're, you're uh, I think the term is eating your own dog food, which is, I still think no. is a weird way of framing it. But exactly. um, so it sounds like you guys are your, in some ways, your biggest user, certainly your early adopters of the of innovation. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it'd be tough to go into, you know, like a major CPG company um, or, you know, even a Nielsen, for example, and say, hey, you know, use this platform. It's great. And but we don't use it ourselves. That would make no sense. Right. 
So, I mean, we do, we learn a lot from our internal teams because we're doing so much, um, you know, research and, and, and project work for our clients from a service base. Um, and, you know, we use that data to see, okay, what can we automate or what can we empower the clients to use themselves? One, to, you know, reduce the, the workflow on our specific teams and to automate our internal teams, but also now to empower our clients to do it themselves. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think that there's a lot of companies that, you know, one way of framing it is like this founder market fit. So it's kind of like you experience the pain as the in, point of innovation and then you solve that pain point, right? Uh, I think a lot of companies, you know, they don't start at that spot. Instead, they're thinking about, oh, look, this is really fancy. I'm going to go develop this technology and then figure out where the problem, where it's going to fit in the problem set from the customer's point of view, which obviously there's that's not, I, I'm a hundred percent behind the founder market fit mentality where it's like, look, let's, let's really focus in on, you know, where we're, where the customer or us specifically are finding that particular pain point and then, then iterate around that so that we can get the right product to market. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I'm a, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I think you know, if we asked, you know, like let's say if you asked the scripting team, you know, what feature would you have to have in this specific platform? They're going to give you like a hundred different types of scripting features. And you probably would be developing scripting features for the end of time if you were just listening to <laughs> right? Because like even totally. one feature that's used maybe like 1% of all the projects, they may have just used it or it's just one thing that they love using, but it's only used really 1% of the time in actual real world work. Um, like, do we even have to automate that? You know, is that worth investment? Is that worth development? So I, I think that feedback is important because it's kind of like your baseline, right? But that the, the teams that are doing the work um, today, uh, you kind of need to look outside the market in terms of you know what are we trying to innovate and solve for? You know, we're, today we're trying to solve for the time it takes from data collection to action from the from the user standpoint. You know, like insights on demand, right? Um, you know, your your scripting team or even your reporting team. They're not going to kind of give you those answers to, to kind of figure that out. It needs to be a combination of those two things. And you kind of need to think outside of the day-to-day work to solve that specific problem. You know, the feature management side of it, that, that's from a product perspective. That's so hard to sometimes figure out what is the, you know, where do we spend our priority or where do we prioritize our R&D so that we're getting the best business outcome, the best creating the best user uh, experience improvements. How do you guys figure that out? Do you have like a process or is it gut or? Yeah. I mean, you asked, I, you asked me probably one of my, my biggest challenges that, you know, that, now that you mentioned, I mean, prioritizing our roadmaps is one of my biggest ongoing challenges um, in the group. Cause you know, we've got a, a pretty large R and D and, and budget, but we don't, we're not working with unlimited resources and we're, we own technology that encompasses every single aspect of research and data collection, you know, um, from, you know, you know, programming the, the survey itself to, to identifying the sample to, to reporting, um, we, we cover it all. So, you know, we definitely don't have a team as big as we need it to be to do everything in the world. Um, so it's all about use cases and it's all about having an in-tune um, feedback with your clients and not just like what they're specifically working on, but what they want to solve for in terms of their day-to-day work, in terms of insights collection. Um, and we prioritize probably just like anyone else prioritizes based on an ROI level. What's, what feature or what solution that we can develop is going to give us the big bang for our buck in terms of an increase in, in lift usage and then also obviously a, a revenue usage. When we think about different like in our careers, these different milestones, like I have a couple of them for me, 
it was when when we created the uh, the exporting native charts and graphs into PowerPoint, you know, directly from the tool. That was like like my big thing. Do you have a favorite project or tool or a customer story that you want to highlight? I mean, I got a favorite project um, specifically here at Saluna, um, and it's, I mean, you know, you'd look at it from a, a revenue and a usage um, metric, it'd probably be a, you know, considered to be a really big failure. But it was brought to, we're kind of deep into quick surveys at the time, and we're trying, we're playing catch up actually in this stage on quick surveys from a scripting feature functionality. So we're just, you know, we're just loading up the team to, to close this gap between like, you know, quick surveys and, and Qualtrics, which which we did very quickly, but in the time I was like, well, what, what else can we do? Because, you know, just even if you're going to use a DIY tool, whether it be quick surveys or survey monkey or, or Qualtrics, it's still a big effort for the user to build that study. And, you know, you know, we know from just the type of work that we do, like, you know, 50% plus of the market work out there is related in some way to concept testing. And we thought, okay, well, how can we automate this from end to end so that the technology can do most of the heavy lifting, and now the user is gonna, you know, get the data in real time and be able to act a lot, a lot faster and sooner. And the first like kind of test project we did because we weren't quite ready for concept testing at this time. This is like, you know, almost seven years ago now. Was we just did it on positioning, like you know, positioning in A and U because it was just an easy questionnaire, and you know we. We set it up in the quick service platform where you're just telling it what you want to test. So I want to do a position test on X, Y, and Z, and I want you know millennials to get the response. And then the system from then on will take it, build the survey automatically, launch it to the appropriate audience, and less than 24 hours, give you final um, dashboards and insights, not data, but insights on what won and why with statistical significance on, on a variety of demographics and behavioral attributes. Like to me, that was like super cool. And it was actually one of the coolest things we could demo at the time. We didn't sell a lot of this specific module because position testing wasn't that big um, within our client set. We sold a ton of quick surveys work off of the back of it. And it led to us being being able to eventually launch a full end-to-end concept testing module. So, I mean, for me, that was like just a really cool initiative and, and kind of bet that we made is like, if we could automate this, would it lead to the foundation of a really good concept testing platform? And would that be successful in the market? And both of those have been proven true. Yeah, that's great. And Quick Surveys is a separate brand, right? That is underneath the umbrella brand of Toluna, I think. Is that right? Yeah. So Quick Surveys is our our, our survey engine platform. Um, so it integrates the, the Toluna panel. It's a survey tool. It's also a reporting platform. Do you see it? Like there's been a rise, like research automation. Oh my gosh. If I, I, like yeah. Nickel, every time I heard that, we'd be doing fine, right? But yeah. it's all about, you know, we've been doing research automation since the inception of our careers at the end of the day. I mean, in a lot of ways, that's exactly what online research is. It's a much better way because <laughs> you can <laughs> automate the steps of pencil and paper and, and wall intercepts. When you think about the marketplace, it's become really crowded, it seems like lately with research automation tools. And of course, you know, I'll pick on Zappy because they kind of sit right in that in that sweet spot. Um, is quick surveys, would you view them as a competitor or would you see it more as a, a survey monkey? So I think within our automated modules, like the one I just explained, it's a direct competitor to, to what Zappy has. I don't consider quick surveys as a survey tool, like a survey monkey, right? Because to be honest, you know, you mentioned the space is getting crowded. There is probably two dozen survey tools out there and really they're all really good, right? I mean, there's no shortage of good survey tools out there, right? What I think makes us unique in, in this space today is the integrated seamless access to panel 
you know, although um, with it's every monkey, you can access the, the network of panel, but you know, that still takes time. Right. And quick surveys allows us the way that the product platform is positioned, the, the, the technology has been integrated into it really allows us to kind of push real time insights you know, there's very few products and platforms out there that you can, from a DIY standpoint, go in there and build and within one hour have a completed project with insights into it. And that's really kind of the mission that, that we're putting forth into it. And also it's a global product, right? It's available in 68 different markets from a panel access point of view. Um, so, you know, I don't really think it's it's a survey monkey's direct competition because it plays in kind of a little bit of everything. You know, you can also procure just sample and, and panel through through the platform, and then you can do either full service custom research or pick one of these automated modules. We've seen a lot of transition. You know, speaking of change, research automation, of course, being the fairly recent buzz. You had AI blockchain last year was like insanely popular, and literally, I mean, maybe there's two or three companies in the space that have persisted in the last twelve months, but. What do you see as the role of insights in a modern brand and how is that going to change? How has that changed over the last five years? I mean, in a, yeah, in a modern brand, I think it's changed significantly. The, the reliance, you know, five years ago was heavy on the, the market research consulting space. Right. And now these companies have built out, you know, research companies within them, within their consumer insights groups. I mean, you take some of the larger CPG firms out there, they're, they're employing 200 plus researchers in that team. That's a huge research company right now, right? So I think, you know, it's moving into in, into these companies as a, as a function and the core function of their, of their corporate um, strategy. And I think it's on us as an industry to empower them in, in multiple ways, empower them one with the ability to, to DIY if they want to to get access to the platform to get access to panel and access to data in the easiest and fastest way possible, but then I think it's really important that even though these companies are trying to be as self sufficient as possible, they're still going to need some help in some cases, right? They're still going to need some help on research methodology. They're going to still need some resource help on programming and analysis. And the companies that can offer both are the companies that are going to survive in the space and they're going to grow. Um, our biggest growth area right now is what we call in this ADIY model where it's a hybrid. You know, when the client wants to fully DIY, great. They can take the full cost benefit of that and, and, and DIY. But when they need help, they can tap into our, our global operations team and we can support that business too. Yeah, that's actually something. I, I uh, was at MRMW in Cincinnati, another fairly good but small trade show or event. And um, I interviewed a insights professional in, at Georgia Pacific. It, she was talking about how the role of partnership has really been evolving in the last almost two or year, really. And, and so, you know, she sees partners, you know, it used to be the case, they would just outsource everything, you know, a project wholesale. And now they're pulling more and more of the actual function into a DIY, but then they'll still be spending a lot with a partner. It's just more on the like analytics activation of the insights, that sort of thing. Are you seeing that as a trend inside of your business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, if you ask, let's, let's, let's try to frame this in a way like, you know, if you take a, a large CPG and you ask their, their C-level team, they're going to tell you, we want to take on as much as possible because they see an absolute cost benefit to doing that. It's, there's no surprise, right? Um, but when you start to dig down into the specific groups and the projects that are specifically working on, in some cases, it actually makes a lot of sense to outsource it. And not just from a cost standpoint too, but just from a, um, you know, 
I want to get an external opinion on this as opposed to maybe potentially a biased opinion within my own internal team. And so we see a combination of both that work. That is a really good point. I think that the utilization of, of kind of the unbiased point of view is a great reason why you'd want to use a partner to soup to nuts the research. You know, the other thing that I've seen in like the uh, economic at a macro level as we go through these contractions and growth stages at a global economic level, you know, as, as we are, as they, the, the growth stage, which I think we've largely been in, it might be arguable, but we've been in a, you know, a consistent up stage since 2009, um, that you're, you really, you see these, you see the brands invest more and more in internal operations. And then during the contracting side times, that's when, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's when the cost cutting measures come into play and research, of course, is early in that, in that this kind of uh, priority set in which, in which case now all of a sudden a lot more work winds up getting yeah. outsourced. So with respect to Toluna, are you guys seeing that kind of behavior? Cause you guys have such a long, I mean, what was it? 2000, you guys started. So it's the same kind of point of view that I have. Uh, are you guys seeing that same sort of economic trend or I should say brand trend inside of the economic climate? Yeah, um, I mean, not, maybe not exactly. I mean, the, you know, the trends that we're seeing, you know, is it's not like a one model fits all type of, especially for projects, not just with specific companies, right? Even within a group, like one specific model doesn't necessarily fit all the work that they're trying to do. So it's, it's really tough. And, you know, we're seeing we're seeing good traction from a from a DIY standpoint, and we're seeing we're still seeing really healthy traction from a, from a fully service standpoint. But the most attractive, uh, I guess, offering within our within our stack is this hybrid approach, where you know where the client, if they can DIY, then great, they will. Uh, but when they need to tap into our resources, you know, they do, and we're more than willing to help. And we're we're doing the work in the same platform too. So the deliverables are all the same. It's all seamless. All your data is in one single source too. So it doesn't matter if um, we're going to do it for you or you're going to do it yourself. You're still going to access the data the same way. Um, so I think that also helps within, within the process. Are the brands investing more these days in data accessibility and visibility are they are they putting dollars there from your your point of view almost like you know i'm seeing a surgeons that whether it's like knowledge hound or mtab or whatever it's, it feels like there's more than a couple of companies that have been entering this and growing in this space that are really centric to that kind of like i you know at the corporate level just you know, i want i want to do a let's say a, a nps study and um, you know, it, then I can use these tools to access that, see if that is already being done inside of the inside of our ecosystem. Is that something you guys are seeing in a gro- as a growth space? I mean, absolutely. I think it's it's one of the critical things um, that's in the space today. I mean, you know, just think about how much data a you know a company like P and G is going to have on on soup. You know, or packaging of soup, right? Right. You know, or anything, right? Um, so, you know, the ability to just not only just you know mine through the data and, and get specific data points that that you need in in as fast as way possible, but also the ability of con- con- consolidating all these specific data sources to tell a story from it too. Um, you know, Knowledge Hound is a great example, and we've, we've worked with them quite a bit too. And the ability to something as simple as like you know a search function for all the data that you've you've run through your your simple is a very usable function you know to look back in time for trended information or to frame out the next study that that you you want to you want to you want to push off because of that 
So I think the the way you know we we organize our data and we allow people to consume that data in the fast way possible is going to be a critical function or is a critical function today just because of how much data people have. You guys have built obviously best in class technology, but then all at the same time, you've also acquired technology, right? To do things. So how do you make those trade-offs as to should we build it or should we buy it? I, it's pretty, I think it's pretty simple, honestly. I mean, you know, it, it depends on obviously when you're going to acquire the company, what stage that company is in. And, you know, if it's a unique asset and if it's pre-revenue, you know, cause we have, we are an R and D group ourselves, right? That's a, that's a very nice acquisition for us. Cause then we can integrate it into our, our technology stack and get it to market. Right. And not a lot of companies can have the ability and have the, 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 the groups to, to be able to do that. So for me, it's a, it's a cost um, model, right? Like, how much would it cost us to develop and actually how long will it take? And then within the length of time it takes you to develop, you've got to add in lost revenue, right? So combining that value together versus the acquisition of, of the asset is just, is just simple math. Then, you know, I think that the tough part from us is, well, not tough, but the part you really got to dig into is how much of what this company claims that they can do is real, especially if it's, if it's pre-market. Is there a technology stack that you like better than others? Not necessarily. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think in the game today, from, from a research and consumer standpoint, there's not a lot of end-to-end platforms. Um, there's a lot of very niche products and solutions that, you know, target you know, automation of sampling or, or target, um, you know, reporting or, you know, you mentioned Knowledge Channel, which is a really good one too, or, you know, VoxPop from a, from a video standpoint. Um so I think there's a, I think this the space today for us um, within research is exciting because there's just so many new niche um, players and, and products out there. But if you really compare like con- consumer insights and, and market research technology, we're probably we're, we're really behind the rest of the world in a lot of different things, which is why you're seeing this acceleration over the last few years. And I would I pursue it. I've, I forecast it to significantly increase over the next few years. There's going to be a lot more entrance in the space. And the acquisition of Qualtrics only makes it more obvious because now there's real significant money behind some of these technology companies. Yeah, that's so funny. Like, So the number of companies that are moving to market research is is way higher than it was even a year ago. Yeah. Uh, so I'm seeing companies in the ad and MarTech spaces saying, yeah, that's fine, but we really want to focus on market research, which is really funny like a year ago because no, <laughs> no, nobody would have made that transition. I think the, the technology players in the space today actually have done a really good job actually in making research methodology easier for the DIY user to do, right? Because, you know, back in, you know, back in time, I guess, right? Your IP was your methodology. Like how you frame that concept testing was the technology at the time, you know? Right. And today, you know, it's, it's anyone can use it because we've ingrained the methodology into the technology. Now you're just saying, oh, I want to do this concept test. Here are my concepts. Tell me what one. Right. So now that the methodology is not the barrier to entry or making it so expensive to conduct research, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot more entrance from a technology standpoint. I think it's going to accelerate significantly. That's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, I mean, IIX definitely had more exhibitors this time than they have in the past. And there was a, quite a, there was a maybe, you know, five or 10 that I just never heard of before, which is a fairly large number. Right. The qualitative is, is seems like it's becoming a little bit more visible in the space. Is that something you guys are seeing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I think if you're just doing survey work or just like, you know, pulling, you know, quant data, you're just, 
you're just getting one picture of either that consumer process or the journey or whatever it is. Um, multiple different sources of data, you know, maybe quant or qual or, or, or um, you know, behavioral tracking. You, you need it now to paint a full picture of that consumer journey or the consumer process. So again, to me, it's, it's, it's kind of like a simple story within research. It was really, really expensive to do any type of qualitative study or focus group. And now with the, the leverage of technology and being able to do this stuff online, it's, it's not, and it's much easier. And we've launched, um, we call it like a, a, a pop-up community um, technology within quick survey called quick communities. And it literally just allows you to have um, an online qual chat focus group in real time on the back end of a survey or to recruit from a survey and you're recruiting directly from the, the tool and the panels. This is one of our fastest growing products we've ever launched. We launched it last year and it's, it's been great because there's a real need for, for some more qualitative research. Who's your buyer? Is it on the agency side? Is it on the brand side? Obviously you're doing business in both realms, but, uh, and then where do they sit inside of the org chart? Yeah, I mean, obviously, market research um, and agencies are a big part of the, the the work that we do. Whether we're we're selling them sample or services or or even licensing to so to technology, we work direct with with the brands, of course, too. And you know, most of those people sit either in the consumer insights groups, some in the marketing group, and some in in the product teams. So you know, the AI was as something we've talked a lot about. And we've all been seeing it grow. We haven't talked a lot about virtual reality, augmented reality, and voice uh, as a kind of like forward tech. Now, 5G, I think, is recently launched, and that has a lot of potential to that has every potential to impact us from a um, accessibility to real AI or sorry, our uh, uh, augmented reality. And I'm getting my acronyms now completely screwed up. But anyway, uh, so you know, do you see those those uh, technologies impacting research? Like what's going to be different in our space in five years? I know five years is tough to predict. Um, you know, I, it's no surprise to anyone in this space, but it's getting harder and harder to get people to take long surveys or, or answer questions in general. Right. So I think as an industry, we need to become really more creative in how we're going to collect the insights from, from the consumers or from anyone who's, who's willing to provide them. Um, but we've got to make it more engaging and it's got to be less of an effort for, for that, for that person. Um, and that's why, you know, you know, you know, testing things within, you know, you know, smart devices in the home so that you're able to do, you know, you know question and answers instead of a uh, desktop or a phone device, but you're able to do it, you know, verbally through, through that device. That's another option to um, be able to behavioral track a lot of the profiling information so that you're not asking screener questions or a ton of like, you know, I've seen some surveys that have got, you know, 20 profiling questions just to lead up to the information that they want to get. It's a terrible experience for the panelists. It's also a waste of time and money for, for the people conducting the work. So, I mean, for us in this space, we're always looking at ways to get people to engage and get the panelists to engage better with us, but also for a longer period of time. And I think finding ways to, to change that panel engagement and behavior is going to be critical to it. So you guys are sitting in this interesting spot inside of the industry because you've obviously been around a long time. You're one of the top brands in market research from an insights perspective, highly highly respected. Um, and, and you have a yeah, broad swatch of customers. What are you seeing as the biggest issue that's facing market researchers? I really think we're getting to a point where 
making sense of just the um, large amount of data we have is becoming more of a challenge, right? Because you're getting it from so many different sources too. And being able to quickly aggregate that information and making a story out of it is, is one of our biggest challenges. You know, putting aside just getting people to, to give you, you know, high quality information, as, as a pingo we just talked about that too. But once you do get all of this, you know, behavioral tract information, quantitative information, qualitative information, um, and, you know, you know, then you got DMP data, segmentation data, and social information, you know, painting a story in a picture and without getting drowned in data is one of our biggest challenges, I feel, and how we can create technology and tools and solutions to be able to cut through data and give you at least a, a summary point to start with um, and then allows you to easily through through technology drill down to to specific uh, pockets of the data so then you can you can build your business or change your model, change your marketing program off of that. In my interview with uh, Miriam, VP of Insights at Microsoft, she was talking about how you know, they used to, in the old days, they would present, um, I hate saying old days, I always feel so old, <laughs> that they would present data, you know, that was like, okay, here's my survey results. But now it's like, you have to at least have three other data sources to create the context of the insight so that it can be understood uh, against the business problem that they're trying to address. Yeah. I mean, researchers today and anyone in the insights profession today, they're a storyteller, right? They've got to tell you a what, why, and now what's going to happen um, type of scenario so that that can be digested and, and acted upon. You know, I think the days of delivering data is is really over, right? I mean, you, know, you can say data is a commodity. I mean, data is, data is everywhere. There's no lack of data in, in the space, but how you take that data and build actionable insights and results out of it is, is critical. When you think about the bets that you're going to play, I don't know how much you can or uh, divulge, but like, so where do you see Taluna placing bets on, you know, over the next couple of years? Is it, is it on, and it's okay if you don't want to answer the question, no, is it, is I'm, it on uh, insight aggregation or? I, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just right now, I'm so focused on 2019 and, and, and how, <laughs> how you follow the things that we're doing right now. I mean, I, I still think the consumers are just moving so consumer sentiment just moves so fast today, right? You'll get a notion on how your brand or product is performing through social media faster than anything these days, right? So if if we're not able to provide insights as fast as possible, and not just from like, you know, while the project's in field and collecting responses from people, but like from the, the idea where the question or the issue has come up to that insights. Um, that's really what we're focused on right now is, you know, providing insights as fast as possible, faster than the market can move so that our clients can react, um, react quickly and react effectively. How that evolves, I mean, we're in the thick of this right now. The whole market's actually in the thick of this right, right now. How this evolves um, in the future with, you know, all the new data sources that are coming up and all the, the, the focus on, on, you know, automation and, and, you know, the evolution of mobile and, and how you engage with consumers in the future. You know, there's, there's so much that, that we're working on and yeah, I'm not really keen to. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. So a subset of our audience is our people that are moving into the market research space and, and so that kind of like gets to my one of my questions, standard questions, which is, what do you see as the three characteristics of an all-star employee? I mean, for us, you know, I mean, I look for really three things, three specific things. Or you know, one is you know, 
how agile are you to, to changing, um, let's call it goals or methodology or targets within the space? Um, because, you know, because that technology is changing very quickly. And as a result, methodology is changing very quickly. And just because you've done something a certain way over the past, you know, X amount of years, doesn't make it relevant moving forward. So we're looking for, for agile people. You know, I'm always looking for really creative people because as the market changes, as the our clients' needs change, um, how you're creative and in, in, in getting the work done is, is going to be critical because, you know, the one answer I really, really get annoyed with, with hearing, when we, especially when we're trying to automate or innovate is, you know, because we've always done it this way. That means absolutely nothing to, to me. And that means absolutely nothing in, in, in the future. And then, um, you know, I think, you know, in the world that we live in today, I mean, it's really important to have to find honest and genuine people. Um, so that's a critical culture thing for me in the group, um, just to have, you know, you know, people that are, you know, have the same mindsets in terms of, you know, what their goals are, how driven they are in terms of, in terms of, in terms of getting there and, you know, what they're willing to do to, to get there. Yeah. I think this, so this honesty thing is, we've all said it for our whole lives, right? Be honest is really important, but I've been seeing a, uh, just a fundamental ownership around this issue of trust and how we need to, as, as handlers of data and really these, you know, the importance of making sure that we're doing a perfect job. And you're seeing that right now. I mean, you know, getting institutionalized with like GDRP or whatever. Um, now California has their own sort of variant of that. So, you know, data handling and, and privacy and all kind of things. So if you can address that at a core value perspective inside of the organization, it'll go a long ways in installing best practices throughout the uh, company and in deliverable to the customers. Yeah, I mean, in research, data quality is like, you know, that's a consistent thing that's questioned, right? So, uh, I mean, I, I totally agree with you too, especially in, 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 the, in the world we are today. If you can't trust the data that you're not just paying for, but you're using to make business decisions on, then. You know, that's, that's the first thing of, of research is how can we make this data one, uh, more reliable, but of the highest quality. Yeah. It could be a big problem at that, at that level. And you guys sit in this interesting spot owning all those assets, right? So kind of like the, the, the full ecosystem, uh, point of view. And then, you know, the, the investment you're making on the qualitative side, I think is actually pretty interesting also. I'm I'm still really hung up on like qualitative as a as a as a uh, as a growth engine. I I, I really think there's going to be a lot more. So t does Taluna do a lot in the way of managed communities? Yeah, I mean this is where we started, right? Right. So we started with just man our own panel community, um, and we've you know we 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 built a technology to specifically do that for ourselves, and then we ended up packaging it to clients, and that's kind of grew into you know you need a survey engine, you need a reporting engine. And then now you need behavioral data into it. And, you know, that's kind of where we started. Are there technology platforms that you look at and you're like, that's a good, you mentioned Knowledge Hound. Are there any others that you, or, and you also mentioned Vox Potme. Are there, are there others like that, that you like say, ah, oh, that's really, that's an interesting company that I like to partner with? Um, or, and yeah, I guess that's the question. I have a follow-up. Yeah, I mean, I'm constantly looking at new and emerging technology and products. Um, you know, I think those two are pretty well known, especially with, within our space. So, you know, you know Christy and, and Dave do a good job of getting around too. But, you know, there's nothing yet that I've seen that like, you know, 
is really like surprising or, or blowing me blowing us away specifically. I think the ones that, especially the ones that are pre-market, are the ones that are most interesting, and that's tough to comment on right now. Yeah, I hear you. So tell me, what is your personal motto? I don't know. I don't think I really have have one. I don't know if that's a good thing or, or a bad thing, but you know, I'm just like, <laughs> let's just let's just figure out a way and get it done, right? I love it. My guest today has been Phil, the EVP. Head of Products and Strategy at Toluna. Thank you, sir, very much for joining me today on the Happy Market Research Podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. And if somebody wants to get in contact with either Phil or Toluna, that information will be included in the show notes. Really appreciate your attention during this time. As always, if you do me a kindness, if you found value, screenshot this, share it on the social media, LinkedIn, Twitter. It'd be fantastic. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Schlesinger Quantitative is proud to have sponsored this podcast. Schlesinger delivers comprehensive online survey solutions, including survey programming, world-class project management, intelligent recruitment, survey hosting, and data delivery services. An uncompromising commitment to your success sets them apart.